0: He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out...
1: Who cares? I care.
0: It's true. She cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Ballotta. She's his Agent 99 and you're about to be bellotta Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolatified, the one, the only pod about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolata. I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always optimistic Alexia Christine Apostolides. Uh, hey, Alex.
2: Hi, everyone.
0: So, what's on your mind today?
2: Well, I'm glad you asked. I mean, as you know, the Greeks invented Parties and rituals, right? I mean, yes. we're the creators of it all. So yes, you this are. morning, we are, we are. I have, to, I have to take credit where credit is due. This morning, I woke up thinking, Fate to to eat everything on your plate. It doesn't matter how full you are. It doesn't matter if you hate it. For the love of God and all that's holy, just eat it.
1: And
0: what happens if... <sighs> If I
2: don't.
0: <laughs> well, I'm very, very,
1: very um,
2: Yeah. Well, so just for example, right, it was at the annual charity dinner for the local chapter of the National Hellenic Society. Of course. And Dimitri and Sons Catering donated the food. Wonderful caterers, very generous people. So my cousin Annika was in line, got all of her food, right? A little sampling of everything and sat down and she began to eat. But she didn't finish the musaka. Dimitri saw this. He started packing up the food, yelling and screaming in Greek. He was threatening to take it all away. He was not happy. She, you know, insulted him by not finishing the food. So, Yai come running up right there on it. And they secretly told him they were going to put the mati on Anika, which in Greek means the curse. And they did, actually. It was a mild one, a little migraine. And so that appeased him. And he calmed down and he unpacked the food and the dinner went on.
0: Wow, that was a close call.
2: That was a very close call. Right. And Anika not really understanding after, you know, when Dimitri went, the yayas went over and they did the reverse ritual to reverse the curse. And then they explained to her what she did wrong. And, you know, don't ever do that again. But luckily, at the end, the dinner went off without a hitch and everything was great.
0: And what does Anika weigh today?
2: <laughs> what does she weigh today? <laughs>
0: Sorry. Oh. Edit oh, that out.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> no,
0: that's a very good, good lesson. Yes. Uh, and what I gained from that is be grateful for what's on your plate yes. and smack it all up.
2: Yep. Yep. And then and, say thank you. And then say thank you. Yes. And then yes. we will reply with just don't, you know, just don't tick off the yaya. It's just, you just don't do that.
0: You just don't do that. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs>
2: no, no, no. So what's on your mind?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm glad, very glad.
2: Is it what I'm thinking?
0: Yep.
1: Let's get tipsy!
0: So the tip of the day is, hmm, are you uh, planning a party? And you want to build a musical playlist that will appeal to your guests, but you don't know where to start. All you know is what you like. I have a little tip for you. It is always good to inspire people on the dance floor with music that they consider music from their high school and college years, the romantic years, they'll call them. The years when they had no responsibilities and all the time in the world to have fun. Those are the years. So for example, if somebody is in their 50s today, then they probably graduated in the 80s, so you think they were in college and high school in the 80s, that might be a good time period to pick some songs from. Those (laughs) songs will hit them right where it counts and get those feet a-shaken. So that's the tip of the day. Works like a charm, I promise. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe.
2: Go ahead, we'll give you a sec
1: why thank you
0: all right who do we have on with us today
2: oh the king of podcasters our guest today (laughs) is founder of endless events and creator of the event profs community he hosts okay hold on i gotta count it's a lot he hosts (laughs) event icons event brew and event tech podcast in addition to being a guest on over a hundred other podcasts He's been named one of the most influential people in the meeting and events industry, one of the 40 under 40 event industry leaders and 35 entrepreneurs under 35. He's been producing in-person, virtual and hybrid events since high school when he started his first company. And since then has worked with clients such as Emerald City Comic-Con, Anheuser-Busch, Warner Brothers, Morton Salt and Uber. Please welcome.
3: The effervescent will correct. Oh, thank you guys so much. We 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 give each other adjectives on the Event Tech podcast. So effervescent sounds like one of those adjectives that I would be given by Brent during one of those podcasts. So <laughs> I appreciate
1: it.
0: It's a great. It's a it's a great adjective. It's one of my favorite. <laughs>
3: I love it. And yeah, I'm happy to happy to be here because, yeah, like Anthony and I go way, way back, you know, and uh, to the days where 35 probably seemed like a far off year for Will. And now I'm like, just turned 33 last week. So I only got maybe two more years before I have to remove that from my bio. (laughs) Yeah. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was just a little kid back in the day.
0: (laughs) Yes. Will. what you don't know is today is my birthday.
3: Yes. No way. Get yes, out it of is. town. And mm-hmm. if I I'm get, being, oh my
0: God. It is. And if I'm being really honest, it's my 60th birthday today.
3: No way. That's awesome. Oh it's my, my gosh. Six whole years. You, you do
0: not look 60 at all.
3: No.
2: no. Thank no. you
0: so much no. for that. Thank you. The filter does help. I will admit, <laughs> I'm. <laughs>
2: well, where's no, your I fan, would... Anthony where's your yeah, I fan that's... it's give the, the oh I, I didn't
0: turn it on today because it it's so windy outside but I I have been sleeping on ice and I and I recommend <laughs> it <laughs> you feel like wake okay, up and that's be like, funny
3: 1999 right I've been right. on the you know the crowd tube for so long totally
0: so if you don't mind we like to start this show just to, even though we don't really have to with you just to <laughs> sort of break the ice with yeah. what we call
2: 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions?
0: Yay! Woo-hoo. Would you mind? Yeah, I mean, so, as long as I can try to not talk too much. <laughs> okay, no, 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 so yeah, that's exactly right because what we haven't done before today is we <laughs> haven't given our guests a time limit. <laughs> Ooh. So we've got, got ten my questions. timer on. We've got 10 questions, two minutes. On the clock. Are you ready?
3: All right, I'm ready.
0: Will Curran, do you believe in miracles?
3: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, when, when I was uh, it hurt my leg, one time I was able to walk like three days late, later. It was really crazy, like fractured my tibia and it was nuts. Yeah, that's a long story.
0: We'll talk about that. What do you <laughs> love most about what you do?
3: Um, that every day I can do something different and explore different passions I have. What was the last time you tried something new? Oh, man. Uh, la- on Saturday. Tide-eyed.
0: Right. Nice. <laughs> What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Energy. Pick one: award show or beauty pageant? Award show. What's the most memorable live concert show or festival you've ever experienced?
3: Oh my gosh! Um, probably I remember Tame and Paul at Austin City Limits a couple of years ago. Wow, uh, that one was really out. What do you think about while you're driving? Um don't get in a car accident. Love
0: you for that. <laughs> if Mickey Mouse weren't famous,
3: would you have him over to
0: your home for dinner?
3: Oh no way, that sounds it's just so creepy. His voice would just oh no, nope, no thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't send hate mail. <laughs> have you ever done drag?
3: No. What's the oh, I wore one- two when I was like five years old. So okay I that guess, counts that count? okay then well
0: then yes. i don't know how intentional was that
3: no what my sister it? dared me to do it and i i ran around the neighborhood in tutu okay no daring doesn't count so it's something that you
0: have to put on your bucket list still <laughs> right, right. it's it's the new thing now if you if you haven't done drag you're no one anymore True, it's true <laughs> number 10 what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing oh man
3: um do, 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 that's a hard do, one do. Uh, um, saying, oh. uh, not having an answer to that question. There you go. There <laughs> you go.
0: Not having an
2: answer. <laughs> All right. That, that counts. I was just about to pull out the buzzer, but you but you got it okay. You're good. Did we do it under two? You did. I, I'm going to say that's the fastest oh we've done gosh. it. I think the thread of the out. buzzer is, uh,
3: yeah, it helps. It is, helps it to helps. move that along. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it uh, usually I talk too much, but I make up for it by talking so fast so that I basically can fit in the same time as a normal person. Yeah, see, that's true. That's true. Because what you're not a normal person. Not an. I'm not a normal
0: person in any sort of way. I mean, you know, you've heard me. You've heard me talk. I can like. I have. It. I think that's what is so uh, effervescent about you, actually. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank, you. Thank, you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> the fact that you are normal. And I remember when we first met. It was when you became a member of Team Net, uh, which then yeah. went hmm. on to become CEG. Uh, mm-hmm. no, or C-E-G or C, yes, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and that's when we first met you and you were the youngster among a bunch of, um, elderly people and you came in with a, I looked up a, to you guys. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> we looked up to you because you brought in a whole <laughs> new, uh, thought process. ever Evervescence. effervescence, effervescence. <laughs> Right. <laughs> And I still talk with some people and work with some of those people. And we always mention you. Uh, uh-huh. You made quite, a, quite a, an impression. And I'm sure that you stay in touch with a few of them as well. Definitely. Definitely. I would imagine. Yeah. So let, can, do you mind if I ask you a few serious questions about what you do yeah. for, the, yeah, uh, for the meetings true. and events community? And, and uh, first, I'd like to know what it is you do. Tell the audience, if Ooh, you yeah. would, how it impacts the meeting and events industry.
3: I love it. Well, what's crazy is you've seen a really huge journey over the years. So I've been doing this for 15 years now, which I know that, I mean, again, I look up to you guys. So you guys have been doing this way longer than me. So the you know, when I first started, I started off as a DJ. Then I was an event, co- entertainment kind of company because that's where you naturally become after you become a DJ. It's like you're like, oh, I can do more than DJing. Then we added in production and we that's how I started learning how to hire a production company. We became like an entertainment production company. That was around the time we met. It was when I was actually in that transition away from entertainment towards production. And... um you know, I knew that I could never do what you guys do in any sort of way. So I was like, yep, I'm going to stick to production when I'm good at that. Good so I did production for a long period of time. And naturally, throughout time, people started asking for general event technology. Hey, can you do our registration? Can you do our event apps? Um, and, you know, we started along around that same time, also doing a ton of content online about everything we do. So a lot of people know me for, in the events industry as an educator and as a speaker and, uh, you know, a thought provoker and podcast host and things like that. But most people don't realize that. We also do events ourselves, but creating this content about, you know, not just production, but also about event strategy and, you know, um, event design and things like that. And people started coming to us to ask for more and more. So um, more, most recently, you know, over the last couple of years, we've made the big pivot towards doing full-scale event management. So now we do pretty much everything under the sun when it comes to events. And that just came, I think, because of our, you know, uh, influence in the industry and the content that we're doing. It was just, you know, we were ready to kind of like move uh, up up the tiers in terms of what we were doing. And we knew that we could do more than just the, the production stuff. So, so basically if I had to give a long story short for anybody in the events industry that we're a full-scale event management company, but most people know us for all of our awesome content that we do.
0: And ah, what, yeah, that's very interesting. I think, also, <laughs> I think the, the reason why you may have uh, moved into full on event and meeting and meeting management, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. imagine, uh, yeah. is, is the technological uh, ability that you have and the fact that you were able to master those uh, techniques quickly and make the, the work, the processes manageable. For yourselves. Is that a fair assumption?
3: A hundred percent. And, you know, it, it definitely helped when the whole world had to go digital and go like focus so much on technology as the you know, throughout the entire pandemic. So like it very much reinforced our idea that, you know, we did way more than just the technical side of things that it starts very much with technology. So like, you know, we were very much trying to figure out ways that we could do what event management and meeting management, but with like a technological slice through it, how could we, you know, uh, provide more transparency to our clients? How could we communicate in a, in a faster way with our clients to get more things done? So that's where I, I definitely agree. Like that's where uh, best definitely our speciality and where our niche is for sure is technologically advanced events.
0: What about things like geotagging geo and, and facial recognition? Are those uh, instruments you're looking into using now or any of your clients going in that
3: direction yet? Yeah, we're talking about facial recognition a lot. We uh, we talk a lot about it on the Event Tech podcast from a theoretical standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of great implementations of doing it. But for most clients right now, you know, unless they're maybe putting the facial recognition into their registration process, mm-hmm. a lot of them are just kind of like, uh, is it really worth that money? And I would probably ask that same question to a client too. It's like, you know, I- I'm not the kind of guy who's like, let's throw tech at every single problem. Because if it's going to cost you, let's say it's $50,000 to do facial recognition, I might ask, well, could it be more impactful to put fifty thousand dollars towards a speaker or a presenter, towards your content? Could it be more impactful in doing spending that money? Maybe yeah, in the the location tracking within an event, like you were saying, like right. the the Bluetooth, Bluetooth low energy RFID technology, so we can know exactly which session someone attended. I think that's really where money is best well spent. But I think sometimes uh, we we chase the exciting and the new, and that's where like you hear people be like, oh the metaverse and uh, right. the, oh yeah like. I have to have VR and AR at my event. I'm like, you know, maybe we should work on something other part of your event first before we start worrying about those crazy trends.
0: I appreciate that that. very much. Very, very much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So facial recognition then isn't something that you use other than to register people at this point, unless you really arm a conference with Cameras and the right kind of technology to see where people are going, and then also the staff behind that.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I would analyze say, it because yeah, it's exactly.
0: not just about getting it—the data you need it right.
3: Exactly, and that's one of the biggest challenges right now, I think, for the events industry is that we have this ability to go bring more data than ever before. But then the problem is most planners right now are just collecting that data and then putting it in the closet and kind of forgetting about it rather than, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, can I analyze this after the event to better design an event or better yet, can I use this data in real time to be able to change the event on the fly? Um, But I don't think most people are just like overwhelmed with what's going on. So, you know, where I see the simplicity with facial recognition is like, hey, can we we streamline the registration process, especially mm-hmm. if you have a lot of attendees coming at once. Right. But you know, the question also can be begged in terms of design of the event is if your if speed and the time it takes for someone to register is so long, can you redesign it where maybe it's not the lines aren't long? Maybe right. bring attendees in slower, maybe, you know, train your event staff to process the registrations faster. You know, those sort of things I think can be helped. And so it's it's kind of ironic that a lot of times you know I'm so technologically advanced that a lot of times I'm like, technology is not the solution for this.
0: <laughs> I, and to your point, if you don't mind me saying, yeah. where I'm seeing the change happening, especially with Cvent, is people are inputting their own information hmm. into pads. And uh, that just slows down the process. It does not speed it up at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. And, totally.
0: And so, you know, that sort of sort of self serve platform that we're going to is making things harder.
3: Yeah, it it can definitely be slower. Like I've seen it done really, really well where, you know, like you just type in your last name and boom, it'll pop up. Or if you know, if you have the QR code, you can scan it really fast. Mm -hmm. But the challenge becomes that like, if someone doesn't have the QR code, let's say they aren't used to self-serve. Yeah, it might be end up being slower on there too. And, you know, maybe that's one case where I think sometimes it's less about what's the new exciting technology, but maybe there's a more efficient technology use. It's kind of like the idea that like, Um, You know, I might not recommend everybody switch to HubSpot CRM, but you know, everybody needs a CRM at least at some point. But if you're complaining that none of the data is in your actual CRM, then I might say, well, maybe your CRM slow, or maybe you don't like it. And maybe that's what's becoming the hurdle then at that point. So that's one of the cases where I say there's, there's definitely a case that there are better technologies that make things better. But, you know, you also don't want to just force technology for technology's sake.
2: Can I ask you a question? With with all of this advanced technology, are you getting any pushback from kind of the old guard? I, you know, <laughs> because you do hear, well, that's kind of an invasion of privacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want my face recognized. I don't want this done. I don't want to be able to be tracked. Is there any pushback or not at all?
3: Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's always going to be pushback, no matter what. I mean, like you know, you, uh, if you play music too loud, someone's going to complain. Right. And then you might be like, well, that's the point. It's supposed to energize everybody. And, you know, or, you know, we have the rolling stones on stage. We gotta have it loud, you know? So I think when it comes to it, there's always going to be like a vocal minority or even a vocal group of people. Sometimes it isn't the minority it might even be the majority, but people love to complain about everything. Um, so I think when it comes to it, you always want to make sure you have that second option on there, but you know, yeah, it might be something like, Hey, it's opt in, especially for Facebook recognition like that's definitely an opt-in technology but then that's where you have to ask yourself like okay if it's opt-in that means people have to upload their photos they have to get that Mm -hmm. data the, then I would look at it and be like, well, how many people actually ended up doing that? Because I think for most people, they sign up for an event, they put all their energy in that first registration process, and you have their full attention. The second they register and they know they have their spot, they disconnect, right? Like they're, the, you, you might be lucky if they looked at one pre-conference email to be like, here's the five things you need to know about, or here's where the actual entrance to the convention center is. But right. for most people, they don't want to do extra work. Like They want as streamlined and simple of a process as possible.
0: That's an interesting comment. Uh, One of the things that we talk about is the client journey, the customer journey, the attendee journey. And um, everything that I'm learning lately leads me to believe that that really does start before they even register. But it's so hard to engage them from the time of registration to the first day of kickoff and that really is the meat. That's the most important time because oh. it's that time that will either m- make them really, really look forward to the the conference or disengage yes. and just wait for it to happen. And then when that approach is taken, you get there, you don't learn as much, you don't meet as many people, you don't walk away with as good good a feeling that you've been productive. Yes. So um it's it's really kind of interesting to hear you say that they just disengage. Yeah. It, We've it's, got it's to hard. work harder at keeping them engaged. Oh, it's so hard. Yeah. yeah. Well
2: you know, because you it, it it's overwhelm. When I mm-hmm. sign up for something or register for something and then I'm getting 20, 30, 40 emails. Mm. Yeah I'm I'm done. I'm annoyed. I'm honestly right. I'm annoyed. Yeah. I don't have time for that. Right. And I don't wanna have to read three emails a day. Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah.
2: An informational email here and there. Great. But when you're constantly, then I do. I I switch off.
3: I was going to say, you know, you know, the Willy Wonka quote, right? Like the suspense is terrible. I hope it lasts. Right. Like the idea of like (laughs) anticipation is actually majority of the events. And it's honestly where I think a lot of the satisfaction events go to like, right. Like I, I think about all the time when I'm attending music festivals is like my excitement leading up to it is almost more exciting than the, the actual like festival itself. itself. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll toss you guys a little bit of a curveball to think about this. And this is the challenge that I've been really working on solving this year is like, you know, I think that there is a potential to create engagement outside of the event. I, for the longest time, I always thought it was a myth, like impossible to get people to engage pre and post event. Like even if you just open up the event app for everybody, right. But where I think the future for the events industry is that there's so much energy and anticipation created before and during the event that you can create a community online using the same technology that they're using to engage with each other mm-hmm. to build place a a place for people to live and work and communicate Mm and engage with each other and like I think that whole, that social media is kind of in a downturn right now, right? Like people don't want to be in Facebook groups. You know, do people want to use Twitter? Uh, You know, is TikTok too much for some people? But people are still looking for a place to go meet peers, talk about ideas, share information, share articles. And I think the potential for events is like, make that a private community Mm -hmm. for your event and use the same technology you're using engagement. Boom. Like you can literally build an online platform in your own private social network.
0: We're on the same page you and yeah. I, because oh, yeah. I completely agree that the, the the event needs to become the culmination of a year's worth of engagement and networking and getting ha- being in a community of like-minded individuals. Uh, and I think that is where it's going, but it's slow to get there it's, because it's, it's an investment. And people, I don't think, are ready to make that investment and won't make it until they need to, yeah. just well, like you know, what we saw with COVID. And
2: <laughs> yeah, true. And make true. it fun, not work make it something that they right. want to do you know right.
0: well that i think that is certainly certainly the key and i heard a a uh, ted talk recently on the idea of tribes mm-hmm. and the the fact that we are all looking for our own tribes we always have been but we're going to do the same thing digitally mm-hmm. And it's becoming even more important today than it was even, you know, 10 years ago. People are really gravitating towards like-minded individuals. It's a little frightening in a way. <laughs>
3: It can create an echo chamber in some points, but that's probably yes. like, that's not my problem to solve. That's like, I'm like, right? Ooh, right. yeah. Like yeah. my job is to at least give people a place. And then, yeah. And then I thought you were looking an for chamber. another
2: big project to work on another, you know, another work thing, you know, solving so,
3: all the world's problems. So, right? Solving right. the on. world's communication and echo chambers it. that happened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's tr- so it's tr- so what, <laughs> if anything is different for you now than pre pandemic pandemic and, and, and let me just, preface this question by saying you went into the pandemic I think less worried than most people because you already had a handle mm-hmm. on the virtual and yeah. so I think you were more prepared than than most uh there were there was a lot of worry and and freak out happening yeah. uh, but what's changed what's different now
3: that's like s- such a great point too like yeah we were really lucky that like we had been writing about virtual events and you know, educating on it for years. And then, you know, when it all kind of really started hitting the head, like we had more leads than we even knew what to deal with. Like we actually had a problem with growing too fast than we did, Mm -hmm. you know, starvation and trying to get more clients or, you know, replace our business. So what really changed for us was a, that growth, like really spurred us to really think bigger. It really like it pushed us to really start calling ourselves an event management company too. Like rather than just being like, Oh, yeah, we we don't really compete, we don't want to compete with our event management company clients. Like during that process, every event management company was freaking out trying to get yeah. revenue. So they yeah. were actually trying to stay away from companies like mine. So, like, I think we got lucky that like we we, you know, we lost a lot of our event management company clients. So it forced us to work directly with brands, which was the ultimate goal that we wanted to have, and basically teed us up to say. Yeah, we're going to start calling ourselves an event management company because we've been doing this for years already. Um, So that was one big change I think that happened. The other one, too, I think was that um, it really like another part of our business that was really important was that we've been remote for eight years, I think this upcoming June. And so, like, we had been doing that for so long. So, one thing it forced us to do, like, it was such a great selling for job seekers and things like, we're remote. And they're like, no company's remote. I can work anywhere in the world. Now, everybody's remote. So we had to like, really think fundamentally, like what's the next stage, what's going to make us different and make people want to work at our company. And what does it, our work environment look like and can't be just the fact that we're remote. And so um, I think that became like a very, very important part of the business was like, Hey, what, how are we going to be different as a company, you know, beyond the fact that we're remote. So I think those were the two biggest changes uh, Hmm. uh, on there. So the, have you, have you been
0: successful there at all?
3: One, one thing that we kind of learned um, was that, you know, for a long time, I had a myth in my head that, you know, oh, it's, you know, and not necessarily it's a myth. This can work for a lot of companies, but it just didn't work for us. We always thought to ourselves, you know, let's fire, hire people who are amazing at great culture fits and they can have zero events in experience and we'll teach them everything and they'll learn everything that they need to know. And what I realized is under the stress of the pandemic is that that just wasn't possible. And what's really funny is that like for the longest time, we call ourselves the Einstein's of events. Our people are like our biggest assets. And a lot of times our people's ideas are what made our clients' events successful. But what we realized is I think through a couple, you know, I'll use the term like mishires, I think, is that we learned that, hey, we need to just focus on hiring the smartest, most wickedly competent, super creative, like just rock star people. Yeah, we're probably going to pay a a prettier penny, but let's find those people who are that and also a good culture fit and let's give them the environment they've been looking for. So for us, like, it was like, Hey, we're not just going to be a remote company. We're going to be the best remote company to work with. So we're not going to be your, if you've never worked in a remote job before, we're not going to be your first job because we're probably going to overwhelm you with the number of apps and tools that we have. But if you are, if you've craved, if you love working remote and you've been looking for this environment where, you know you are given the tools to work autonomously when and wherever you want to work. We can totally do that. So I think that was a big learning for us in that time period.
0: That's an amazing lesson. You know, you Mm -hmm. are, you, in your youthfulness, you are way ahead of your years in terms of your (laughs) leadership and management style Uh, always have been. And that's not just because you are remote. Uh, It's, it's the way that you handle your business and the way that you share success with your team i am a little concerned to hear that you're going for for big fishes and i'm wondering how that will impact your culture you said you'd like them to be culturally uh you know uh amicable but will they be and i I guess that will will be on you to determine and figure out
3: yeah I think it, you know, it's a it's a good point too, because like sometimes when you go for the people who are extremely competent, lots of experience, sometimes they are less moldable. They let they they they're very they can sometimes be stuck in their ways. I admit this too, because I've been doing this for fifteen years. I'm probably the most stuck in my ways out of anybody. <laughs> Where I think like it You're is here? is that you have you have to like keep your your desire to. Say no when you really think it's not a good fit. Like I, for more, most recently, we had a hire that I remember the person was wicked smart, but it, they had this like kind of like almost like a chip on their shoulder, it felt mm-hmm. like, like as they described things. And I was like, that's like kind of the opposite of our culture. We're here right. to be like really open to things, really like loving and caring and, you know, everything like that. I was like, you know, I just don't think this person's really going to fit. Right. They probably would have done a great job at the job. But, you know, by saying like, hey, I just don't think this person's a good culture fit. It, it actually having to look for that role, it took us like almost a year to fill that role. Mm-hmm. But you know, and I and if you had told me a year ago it's going to take you a year to do it, I would be like, no, no way, we can totally find the right person. And oh, hey, you know, you can have, you're going to have to sacrifice and get someone who maybe not culture fit. But ultimately, I think it was the best decision was to really be so stringent about what we exactly wanted to look for.
2: Mm-hmm. I I really applaud that because you're looking out not just for the company but for your team. Yeah. You know, it, it, nobody wants to work with somebody who's not a team player and sure. who isn't kind and accepting and all of that.
1: Totally.
0: You know, Jim Collins says, get the right people on the bus. And that is so, so true. But I can I can understand how when we were in the virtual paradigm that we were in very, very heavily for a few years it became necessary to get the smartest people, the most uh, competent people, Mm -hmm. because it, it was hard to teach that. And it was hard to, it, it takes, it was a different kind of, of, of talent and skill base, right. Mm -hmm. than people who can be running an event, a live event. Yeah. So it makes sense. That totally makes sense. Um,
3: does everything flow right back to you, Will? Oh no, like I mean, I'm I'm more out of the business. Like the day, like when they say they use a term like, you know, uh, was it um what's say name? Michael, whatever his name is about being the engineer it, working in your business versus on your business, right? Like right, I'm I'm right. more working on my business and I am in it than ever before. It's it's kind of funny how like so many times that I go to the team, they are having a crazy October. We had like the most highest revenue October we've ever seen in our God lives. God bless. Good and yeah it was so so it was so awesome right um and i i was like you guys are busy you guys are busy like let me be an event manager let me come on site let me help and literally no one ever asked me for help and that's i i you know the ego in you goes, Oh, my damn like, yeah, I want to ask for your help. They should know they could. But then I realized, I was like, no, that's what you want in your business. You yeah, want, absolutely. like, you want everyone to not need your help. And, you know, I'm really lucky to have the yeah, really, really great team. So to be yeah. honest, like, that's probably one of the biggest challenges within the business now is like, it's a totally different setup than it ever was. Cause you know, even talk pre pandemic, maybe a year before the pre pandemic, I was like at I loved being at every event. I loved, even if I wasn't the main event manager, just being there as like a client support person. I love that sort of thing. But now it's like, You know, if you ask me to go on site for an event too, like, you know, my travel is like minimal compared to what it used to be. You know, I mean, you remember I used to be on a flight every single like day Mm -hmm. I would, you know, I go home to like feed my cats and I'd be on another Mm -hmm. flight. Right. Um, But now it's like, you know, if I get on, if I'm gone away for more than a week, I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going (laughs) to (laughs) survive? I feel that's a value shift for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. You know, because the world stopped. Yeah. And the rug was pulled from under us. And I still I feel the same, the same way. I have a hard time. I don't I don't think I'll ever be able to to work at the speed that I did pre pandemic ever yeah. again. Because yeah, it, it just once that rug was pulled out from under me and then it was we were sedentary for a while, you know. Yeah, yeah. I uh, you know, right. The values changed.
2: I but you know, I have to add this in. I, I understand what you're saying, but I feel at least on my end, that the speed at which I had to work halfway through the pandemic, and I don't know we're not really post, seemed to double and triple. I mm. feel like we have to work so much faster now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, change is faster. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier, Will, when you were talking about um, technology and the ability to take the data and make Im- immediate changes, you know, during the event. That's where the world is going. Yeah. That's where it's going. And the change is faster and faster and faster. It's coming. So I can appreciate how you feel. I don't see it slowing down. Mm-hmm. The the pace. Mm-hmm. The travel a bit slowed down, but the pace and the the just the just the, to keep up. Yes. Right. Just to keep up. I, I was working with a photographer this weekend and she said i have to post my work every day i have to do it every day or i will fall behind and i will be forgotten and oh, wow. boy i just took a heavy sigh when i heard that yeah, yeah. That's i'm not 30 so yeah. every day to me seems like Oy, you know yeah. that seems a lot to <laughs> me um, and,
3: and that seems sure. a so, lot because it is it yeah is. yeah and i i'll agree 100 percent with it you know like um you know, even though like I'm only 33 in a lot of ways, I also am now 33. I'm not 17. Like I used to be, you know, mm-hmm. in, or tw- in my twenties. And, you know, I'm the same way. I think that the breakneck pace that we expect from people has to change. And what's really crazy is that was definitely a big part of endless. Like for a long time, my, my value around the organization was like, look guys, like nothing's a rush. Like we got to get our clients happy. We got to make sure that happens. There is a deadline around those, but like look, like we don't want to kill ourselves over this work and be so stressed out and everything like that. Then the pandemic happened. And it was like, we had to change that culture within the company that was like on all the time, go fast, go, 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 go. And what's nice is like, I feel it these last couple months that finally, I think we're able to return our culture to this idea of like, let's be a, like a not stress-free Stress-free is impossible, but like stress-less, less stressful place to be. And, you know, I'm very much wanting to get back to my, I think, um, you know, pace and th- thinking that like, hey, yeah, we need breaks. We need the ability to travel. We need the ability to breathe. And yeah, let's focus on quality rather than quantity. And, you know, I, I'm i I'm really excited, I think, for those days to, to come back to everybody in the events industry, because I feel like we've all been so stressed, so burnt out that like, It feels like something has been kind of lost for a little bit of period of time and we're ready for where, whatever this new area we can go to. Mm -hmm.
0: I feel like I know this already, but maybe (laughs) this is the old will um, (laughs) who works and travels at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But how, how does your work life balance look to you?
3: Oh, you know, it's the, so for me, like, when I was traveling all the time, I never really considered it work. Even like if we had a CET meeting, you know, in another mm-hmm. city or something like that, I didn't consider it work. It was like getting to explore a new city, get to see friends and things like that. So, you know, the only times I really considered it, it felt like work, I think was when, you know, uh, you, I, you know, honestly it never even felt like work even when I was traveling to events and being on site events, even if I had a role within the van mm-hmm. I had to be a video engineer an event manager, whatever it was, didn't feel like that in some ways, but for me, a lot of the the practices I pre-pandemic have stuck. In fact, I think during the pandemic we had to work really hard to keep them. Things like, for example, I do Tuesday night dinners with a bunch of friends. Uh, Wednesday nights were like board game night. During the pandemic, we did like virtual board games every single Wednesday. Thursdays was movie night. That was really hard in the beginning, but luckily got easier as uh, streaming became the possibility of syncing things and stuff like that. But like for me, it's always been about like building small little breaks along the, the entire way to be able to create that forced bounce and also just have it on my schedule. I know that I have to take a break um, tonight because I have dinner with friends. Uh, I have to, you know, go to my board game night. And not like I have to like a oh I have to, but like a uh okay, this like I have to turn close the laptop because if I'm late to board game night, everyone's going to be waiting for me and it forces you to take those breaks. So I think that was a big part of like what I do now. I I don't travel as much as I used to. Um, Though I think these uh, I think it's something like I'm here for two more weeks and then we have like Thanksgiving, then tons of like concerts and stuff. And then like all of December, I'm gone mm. <laughs> for like personal travel. And um, I still do like one personal event that I plan and manage. So I'm heading out to that in December. But, you know, I, I very much am trying to, you know, focus yeah on the lifestyle in some ways, which is, you know. I think when we first started meeting, like I was kind of exiting this like entrepreneurs organization, like ethos and era for me, um, which, you know, when I was part of EO, it felt like, oh my gosh, you got to grow your business or die. Right. Well, oh, how dare you say that you would like to not grow this year as a business, Right. you know? And so I, I definitely don't, I felt like that got lost a little bit in the pandemic because there was so much opportunity, but I'm i uh, I'm glad that, you know, I think that things are returning to a sense of normalcy. Cause I don't think that I don't think I'm about massive growth and hyper growth or anything like that in any sort of way.
2: So are you finding it's easier now and as you move forward to disengage from work and
3: engage in life? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I'm also trying to realize too that, like, you know, I think when I was in my twenties, I thought to myself, like, yeah, go, 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 go. And I'm like, now I'm reflecting back, and I'm like, shit, 15 years have gone by since I started this business. Like if you don't slow down and enjoy life, like 15 years is going to blink like that. And, you know, I think that's very much, yeah, the way I definitely feel now is like, I'd rather slow down the pace and focus on life stuff and experiences and things like that. um, Because, you know, they're not always going to be there.
0: I think you're already ahead of the game though, Mm -hmm. because you love what you do.
1: Yeah. It's fun
0: for you. And- you know, it's a cliche, but if you're having fun, you don't work a day in your life, and right. that's true. That's true. You still, you still, um, that's what makes you effervescent, honestly, because <laughs> you're having fun.
3: Yeah, try to try okay. to. <laughs> so what About is this? Effervescent keeps coming back. I, know, I, I <laughs> you know.
0: It might be, is that a green shirt? It's coming across as green, like lime green here. Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 I'm wearing an endless shirt right now. Yeah. It's Today, very proven, podcast day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I appreciate so, it. <laughs> so what does a successful event look like to you? You know, it obviously, so damn, I always fall into this. It depends, you know, because there depends on what your objectives are and things like that. So, you know, for me though, um, things that like, no matter what your objective is, whether it's profitability, sales, whatever the end goal is, there's a couple of things I think that are important that make a successful. One is that I think it makes people's, you know, I used to say like, behavior change, but I think it's mindset change. Like a truly incredibly inspiring event, gets someone to shift them their thinking. Whether it's some they meet someone that changes their mind, or you know, they they see Tame and Paul alive at Austin City limits and they're like, oh my gosh, I never like loved psychedelic rock, but now I do, right? I think it changes someone's mindset. So I think that's one piece of it. I think the other piece of it is that to go back to the community piece that we we're talking about before is like your event builds a community that changes someone's almost identity in the way they see it. So, for example, um, I had seen this artist named Excision play years and years ago. And I remember when he played live, I've never seen so many subwoofers in my life, and I've never had such a painful experience with so much bass. So this was like when I was working in production for the for this concert, and it was so much bass. And you know, I loved Excision, like I had a couple of his songs I liked, but I was like, Yeah, I'm not an Excision fan. And then it was funny, my friend um, was shooting video. I don't think this will ever get us in trouble. So I'll try to explain it perfectly as it was. He he was shooting video for this, like the uh, concert for Excision. And I went to go meet up with him because I wanted to talk through, we were trying to build out like a photo video arm of our company. And I want to talk through like, how does he find shooters? All those things like that. Right. And so I just came with him and he goes, Hey, why don't you come tomorrow? We're going to actually like go to the concert and enjoy it. And this is like when the, everything was just barely starting to open up. And, you know, (laughs) I remember like being like, wow, I've never seen so many people in one single place since the pandemic started. It was just absolutely nuts. And we ended up recording an uh, uh, event brew episode all about it, about what my experience was like, because this is the first time I think like 20,000 people had been in a single space since the pandemic, right? Like it was nuts. This is like, I think, maybe August of 2021 or something like that, maybe even earlier. So it was absolutely crazy. Well, I went to this concert and I remember just being like, oh my gosh. And he's like, that's why he's the king. That's why Excision's awesome. And if you don't know who Excision is, like, it might, music might scare you if you've never listened to it before. But <laughs> it's just like a great audio visual experience. It has lasers, flames, like, he has this whole visual show. His visuals look awesome. And I remember being like, that was really cool. I can't wait to see him again. So then I started dragging all my friends over, like when he played New Year's in Phoenix. I brought them. And I was like, you have to see Excision Live. And my friends are like, Oh, you know, we know Excision, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, no. Once you see him live, you'll understand. They saw him live. They became fans. And we ended up going to one of his signature festivals at the Gorge in Washington. Uh, if you have never been to the Gorge, most amazing concert venue I've ever been to in my entire life. And you lit. It was literally just Excision style music. Excision fans all coming together, and now I identify myself as an Excision fan. They call themselves, um, they call themselves like a headbangers. So I think an event to the point, sorry, long story short, is that like, it creates this identity in this community around it. Now, like I'm actively looking for when Mm -hmm. artists like him play and him play. I'm, you know, when I see people wearing his jerseys, I'm always like, yeah, throw your ex up, you know, like I identify with that group. And I think that events, no matter what your objective are, can do those things. They change your mind and they create it where you have a sense of identity with the other people who have enjoyed that event as well. Mm -hmm.
0: It's not easy to do. No, no way. But no way. But it can be highly effective, right, when it For happens.
1: Sure. Yeah. For sure.
3: Yeah, like the, to the point of excision, you know, when I saw him first play, you know, I don't know if his like fan following was as big as it was um, as it is now, definitely. But he, you know, it that was 10 probably years ago that I saw him play, mm-hmm. you know, it probably took him all those years to build the brand, build the momentum, build the fan base, you know, everything like that. And you know, I think, you know, to the point of why I think breakneck pace isn't sustainable, I think the best things in life that are sustainable take a long time to build. Yes.
0: When the good things take a long time mm-hmm. to build. Yeah. Yeah, I I can't I can't disagree with that one bit.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's um,
2: yeah, that's true of everything in life. Absolutely.
0: You know, I think um you talk about this can happen in an event, and I think what we're talking about is the idea that you're giving something that people can't get anywhere else. Mm,
1: yeah.
0: And that's what, you know, commits them, makes them a loyal follower. They're going to experience something they can't experience anywhere else. So if it's an event, not necessarily a concert, then maybe it is seeing a speaker that is really dynamite and, you know, has the right message or, it's the experience itself and the way it's set up and the way that the messaging occurs and the things that they see or some of the elements that they see. Um, if you could ask your clients to do one thing
3: and know that they would follow through, what would that be? Ooh, I've been like my saying, I've been saying these last like year or so is that you got to take that box And not just like think outside of it, but you got to like completely crush that box. Like I would love my clients to stop coming to me with their 2019 budgets and telling me to replan their entire 2019 event. Mm -hmm. I would love for them to just, you know, start from scratch, be open to completely new ideas. I think that we would all have better events. And we try to push our clients to do that, to really think differently, to think deeply about their events. But you know, when they say like, yeah, the CEO really wants to do it in this kind of hotel, you know, if you're trying to tell them to do something completely unique, they're probably not going to want to do it immediately because right. of all the baggage and organizational baggage and time baggage. And mm-hmm. so for my thing is like, just don't think outside the box, take that box, crush it, and start with that new Excel spreadsheet.
0: I love it. Yeah. All right. We have a few minutes to get to the nitty gritty. These are the nitty gritty questions.
2: <gasps> the Five.
0: What is your golden rule?
3: Oh, that is the golden. Yeah. It's the golden rule <laughs> it is the golden rule. Uh, yeah. My golden rule is the golden rule. It's just like, yeah, treat people as you want to be treated. You know, I grew up Catholic um, uh, and went to Catholic school in my life until I got to college. And, you know, I don't really identify myself as a Catholic anymore, but I think the idea of like treating people the way you want to be treated and having that kind of moral structure, I think is a really, really easy way to live um, and makes it really, really easy for you to decide like what's right.
0: Agreed. Um 100%. thank you for that too. Yeah. What is the one, what is one of the daily excuse me, let me try that again. What is one of your daily habits you strongly believe contributes to your success?
3: Damn, that's such a good question. Um you know let's see there's a lot i have so many daily habits like habits are probably run to me completely uh but i would say probably my like morning routine and i would say potentially because i think a big part of my success is my energy and my you know excitement that i bring to things i'd say it's listening to music like in the mornings like i i think i like it's an itch I can't scratch any other way. And even if I, I remember we were in Kenya uh, doing an event and I was like in this like outdoor shower. And I remember like everybody's still sleeping, but I was awake earlier and I was like, I have to bring my speaker to listen to music. And because I have to be listening to music while I'm showering and getting ready. Otherwise, I'm just going to like feel dull and feel like something's missing in the morning. So I think mm. music in the morning is probably my my answer to that. It's a great answer.
2: <laughs> it is. What a joyful way to start your day.
3: Music it's so in much the morning. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> Occasional dubstep too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what are the things you tell yourself when no
3: one else is listening? Dang, these are such good questions. Um, something I tell myself when no one else is listening. I'm probably harder on myself when no one else is listening, because I think that, you know, like, I, I think I tend to have a very positive, um, you know, uh face. I have a very, not even literally a face, but like a very positive candor that I bring to every interaction that I do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even when we're having really intense conversations about what needs to change and blah, 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 and things like that. I think it sometimes comes back that people think that I don't take things seriously and I'm not considering all the you know potential negative outcomes or whatever it is. And I think I'm more serious about myself when no one else is around than when I'm to other people, because I want to, uh, you know, be evervescently positive and energetic because I think the world needs more of that. But, you know, when I'm by myself, I think a lot of times I'm like, you know, Oh man, maybe I didn't, I spoke that in the wrong way. Maybe I could have been a better manager for Mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, that sort of thing I think really Mm -hmm. pops up in my mind.
0: That is a really beautiful thing. And I think honestly, that's what makes the positivity so authentic Mm -hmm. You know, it grounds it because it's, you're, you're thoughtful. It's not, it's not mere, you know, superficiality. You're not just trying to smooth everything over and sweeten the pot. You, you mean it, you know, it comes from the heart.
2: It's not toxic positivity. No,
0: no, no Mm. TP there. No TP. Uh, (laughs) So this is a good one for you.
3: How old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? Oh man um i definitely feel like i'm in my 20s still you know like it you know occasionally i have that reminder of like my body being like oh man that really hurts oh i'm just getting i'm getting old now you know like i'm not in my 20s anymore but like you know honestly i just feel like there i have so much to learn i have you know the ability to, to, it feels like I could almost like risk anything I want to do like that. And that energy of like my twenties, um, very much isn't there. So, but I'm definitely not early twenties. I'm not like, let's go to the bars and get drunk for the first time. So I'd say I'm like in my late twenties, probably 25, 26, 27 kind of feeling. Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. I think you're, uh, you're only going to get better with age. I mean, mm-hmm. you, know, you have such a, you have like so many good years left I'm, exci- I'm excited I'm excited I'm excited it's exciting for everybody. <laughs> um what is your why? What is Ooh. your why?
3: You know, for me it's it's two things. It's the like bringing the energy piece, but that's like I think the obvious that most people see, but like for me um I like taking really complex things and making them really simple, which is honestly like a lot of what our mission is at the company, but the the idea of like you know, people look at hybrid events and they go, How the hell do you do this? Where you live streaming? And, and I just like think it's so easy. Like I it just seems really simple to me. Um, oh hey, how do we, you know, create an amazing XYZ, a beautiful this or whatever it is? And like for some people, it seems like this is mysterious world going on, but I know that I that I can figure it out. And you know, I think a, a, a good example of this is during the pandemic, I I wanted to teach myself JavaScript to install something on our website. And I knew HTML, I knew some like how to embed JavaScript, but I didn't know a lot of it. So I taught myself how to do it. And I realized I was like, this is really easy to figure out. So I love trying to take really complex things and make them really, really simple. Well, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be a good parent to a teenager. I hope so. I But then the question is, do I have the patience? That's <laughs> That's the next thing. <laughs> does anybody well yeah (laughs) (laughs) true
0: you know those are things you can't really you can't anticipate because when they're your own Mm -hmm. you suddenly have patience yeah this is
1: true
0: you know that's what i've heard i've
3: heard is yeah once it's your own it's like a whole new world
0: totally different ball game yes (laughs) um so when that happens if that does happen for you then uh you know we'll look forward to sharing that with you and hearing how it has changed you yes
3: definitely definitely
0: Thank you so much for being on Bellotified and for playing with us. And um, Thank you. do you come to San Diego
3: now every know, year I,
0: still? Are you still doing
3: I the used Funko to party? come so much. Uh, we don't have Funko as a client anymore. Um, that's a Funko? It's a little bit of a long story, but uh, I still have all my that. Funko pops. Um, but no, it's okay. But, you know, I was going to San Diego all the time. I mean, you know, Sister City to Phoenix basically feels like. But to be honest, because I never travel anymore, I haven't been to San Diego, I think, before the pandemic. So I think I'm going to make my way over there real it's
2: soon. It's time. It's time, yes. it's time to it's come time. to our beautiful city.
3: And yes. I got I got to come back to get some Copa Vida. That's like my favorite coffee shop in like the whole world. And didn't
0: we go for tacos when you were here last year? Yeah, to, yeah, um,
3: yeah, still? yeah, that was so good. Yeah. And we went back there, I think, that, that for uh, the when we were doing the Funko event. And I remember being like, oh, Anthony showed me his place. It's awesome. And that was like the hidden gem during Comic-Con. Oh, cool. I'm <laughs> glad I could
0: help. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm really glad I could help. And uh, I do keep up with some of our, our partners. Tracy, most recently, oh, awesome. I worked with her and- uh, Awesome. Every once in a while, I'll hear from another partner or two, and it's it's really great to uh, reconnect.
3: Absolutely. Those guys are wow. awesome. I mean, like, it's just, it was so cool that like Tracy it was funny that Tracy, like you mentioned, Tracy, Tracy was uh, in our CRM. She downloaded our content. I tried to cold call her to get her to become a client. She ended up being like, well, come to the CET thing. I think you would really enjoy it. Why don't you come as a speaker? I was like, okay, I guess I'll come up to Vegas. I never knew any of you guys what this was. And you guys were all in like a super serious meeting. Right. And I remember being like, well, these guys have been in the business like longer than I've been alive. They like know this shit. Like, I gotta like be around these guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we had been longer than you'd been alive. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys killed it. Yes, well, it's yeah. funny too. is like that pivotal moment was bef- right when we started doing content, but we hadn't gotten like the influence that we had now. So, like, I was the, still like a lot more people knew who I was than I knew who they were. But it was like it was that was like kind of the pivotal moment for me to go from being like the entrepreneur will, who has this event company to being like, oh, like let's join the big leagues of event people. And like, just getting to hear how you guys ran your companies and everything like that. And the experience that you all had, like, that was awesome for me. I'm glad, I'm glad it was
0: for you and it it helped you and, and it helped you to grow your business, I think. And I'm glad, I'm glad for that. That's a great thing. It's good to hear that you got something out of it.
3: Definitely. Well, I appreciate you guys.
0: Thank you for listening to a
2: if you haven't already, please like and subscribe.
0: And remember to leave your questions or comments at bolada.com backslash podcast.
2: Bolada is a production of Bolada Entertainment.
0: Hey, that's a lot of bolada. Stay engaging.